Hi, and welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and I would love for you to leave me a review of this podcast and also to share and like it and share it with your friends, see what they think and let me know. I would love to shout you out on social media. And also, I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sadaf OBGYN, as well as TikTok. I also have started a YouTube channel at Dr. Sadaf Intimacy Coach. I'd love for you to follow me on all of those channels. And most importantly, I'd love for you to become a patient. I am now accepting telehealth patients for sexual health as well as menopause health in New York and Michigan. So if you are a woman that is looking for a doctor that understands you and can actually take the time to listen to all of your concerns, reach out to me. Reach out at drsadaf at drsadaf.com. And I would love to see you as a patient. And now for the episode. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and this episode is everything you need to know about mental health and how that plays into relationships. Uh, before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I am not giving any type of medical advice. So if you have any issues with your health, please speak with your healthcare provider. And I'm also not giving any type of religious advice. So if you have any questions about your religion, please speak with your friendly neighborhood religious leader. And this is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. So today I am very happy to welcome Dr. Fred to the podcast. And welcome, Dr. Fred. Thank you. I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the viewers and the listeners out there. Sure. So thank you so much. And I also want to say the same thing you said, sort of the similar disclaimer, which is nothing I say today is actual medical advice. And I'm just a man here uh, talking to you on yeah, uh, a, a Muslim woman talking about sex. And I'm a, a male psychiatrist talking to a Muslim woman about sex. But by <laughs> under no conditions am I actually giving any kind of medical advice here or any religious advice. So. Um, let's see. So my name is Dr. Fred. I'm, uh, my real name is Fred Moss and I've been a doctor as well. I think we have established that in the past. I, um, graduated, uh, from conventional medical school in 1988. And, um, I already knew that I was really enchanted with the whole idea of bringing, uh, connection, human connection, um, creativity and conversation and, uh, communication to the heart of all healing. And that's why I went into psychiatry, actually. I had certainly knew that as a child, and I knew that all the way growing up. And I had a little taste of psychiatry um, prior to going to medical school. I had worked as a child care worker, so in a state uh, mental health facility. And it was there that I really learned that communication and connection are really what we're all looking for. And um, so as a psychiatrist, my idea was that I would bring communication and connection to the central aspect of who I was as a, as a as a mental health provider. Um, and uh, that was after dropping out of college a couple times, actually, and finally realizing that I was going to come in and be a doctor for that purpose. Now, over time, and you know this, um, in 1987 or so, Prozac was introduced to the world, and that just really changed the whole paradigm of how psychiatry and mental health was ever going to be seen. The, IV, the idea became that there was such thing as a 
uh, chemical imbalance that was causing our discomfort and uh, that we had an app or we had drugs for that. And that those kinds of things were uh, Prozac was the first one uh, in the new age. And then there was Zoloft and Paxil and then many others, as we all know. And these days, it's a, it's a roaring epidemic. Almost everybody we know, so many people that we know, maybe not almost everybody, are on some form of psychiatric medication and have themselves walking around with some form of a psychiatric diagnosis. But who I have become over time is I've really fought against that. I don't think that medications are the answer for very much, uh, certainly in the psychiatric world. I feel like the medications are designed often to perpetuate the symptoms they're marketed to treat. So this has been a real battle for me because as a doctor and as a psychiatrist uh, over those years since Prozac's advent, the whole typecast has been that psychiatrists, you know, what's the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist? Everyone has the same answer, which is, well, psychiatrists are the ones who prescribe medicine. And that's not what I really went into the field to do. I actually went into the field so that I wouldn't prescribe medicine. And uh, now I come out 100,000 prescriptions later, having written enough prescriptions to actually um, create an aching heart and a sacrificed soul. And uh, the idea being that ultimately all I really wanted to be the whole time was someone who advocated for human connection, human uh, intimacy, if you will, human um, contact and conversation and uh, internal creativity together as a source for healing. So more recently, as I finally have found my way backing out of the conventional system, um, in 2006 is when I started taking people off of medicine and actually taking them off their diagnosis. And then I began a locum tenens career all over the country and all over the world. And in 2016, I started um, Welcome to Humanity, which now is pretty self-explanatory, pretty much just says um, that if you're uncomfortable, welcome to humanity, that discomfort is not a form of pathology. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay. It's okay to be in some kind of pain. Uh, it's okay to be concerned. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be afraid. It's completely okay. Those are human emotions that in this day and age, if you're not feeling any of those, you're dead already because those things are just being launched into our world. And we have been really taught that if, if we're feeling any of those uncomfortable feelings, there's something wrong with us. And we come to a doctor, come to a psychiatrist, get a diagnosis, and then get a pill. And not only do we get a pill, we get a pill that actually perpetuates or sometimes actually even causes the symptoms it's marketed to treat. So it's kind of a corrupt, weird system. Now, for your listeners who are already taking medicine and already have a diagnosis and are really pleased with how their life is going, please don't get off the horse. This is like if you have found a way to make your life work using psychiatric medicine, then by all means, please continue using it. That's not who I'm talking to. If you And there are people out there who have, in, fa in fact, found their diagnosis and their medicine and swear by it. And you should continue. I am not telling you that what you're doing is wrong under any circumstances. But I am speaking to the hundreds of millions of people who are different than you who feel like these medicines haven't helped them, who feel like they are misdiagnosed or, or um, carrying around a label that doesn't represent them very well. And there is hundreds of millions of people who fall into that category, and you know who you are. And the idea being that maybe you don't have a diagnosis, maybe you don't have anything wrong with you. And that's where we really started talking, like you mentioned earlier, into other ways of looking at um, being a human. Um, 
that's where the true voice technology has come in. I have created a course and a book called Find Your True Voice and a course called the True Voice Course. And that's where, again, we start looking at creativity as a source of healing along with human connection. And really, I'm just a firm advocate for that. And now I get to be authentic with myself. And as you know, because you were on the particular podcast, um, The Healthy Healer is another one of my projects where I'm dealing with healers who have gone into the field of their dreams, hoping that their blessings and gifts would be used adequately and then find themselves disenchanted or um, you know, uh, no longer aligned, um, out of resonance with their job and are needing to refine their direction, something that you have perfected quite well, I know. And uh, there are plenty of healers out there who are uh, misaligned with their job. And uh, I like working with that group as well. That's fantastic. Wow. Thank you. So what I what I like, actually, what you just said was that, you know, if you are not feeling the emotion of, say, like perhaps a little bit of sadness or a little bit of depression or a little hurt, then you're almost like you're already dead. Right. Yeah. That you're not able to experience this or that you're numbing the feelings that you're having so that you don't have them. Yeah. And that really to be human is to actually experience those feelings. So I think that's, that's fantastic. I love that. Um, you know, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit more about your welcome to humanity podcast. So in there, do you delve into the different aspects of, um, psychiatry or, you know, what do you talk about in your podcast? Most? Yeah. The welcome to humanity podcast is, was really up and running weekly for a while. And it's uh, sitting mostly dormant right at this point, but there's fantastic conversations in there that I am really proud of. And I've met like you are, like, I know you're experiencing, I've met some just unbelievable people who have, who agreed to be guests and then had the opportunity to have these beautiful conversations with these unbelievable people. And what I've really learned through the Welcome to Humanity podcast is it doesn't matter who I'm interviewing. It doesn't matter who I'm having a conversation with. Every person is unbelievable. Every person is absolutely beautiful. And that's what Welcome to Humanity really shines a light on. Now, the truth is I have some authors and some musicians and, um, you know, some world changers, some uh, uh, exercise like yoga experts and business owners, entrepreneurs, et cetera, who have been guests on that show. And um, it's been a pleasure to actually shine a light on their beautiful uniqueness as well as their beautiful humanity. But it turns out that I think I could interview almost any and all human beings and put them in the same spotlight and really have all of us see that underneath it all, underneath the mess that we think we have become or underneath all the obstacles or hurdles that stop us from being genuine and authentic, there's a wonderful divine person sitting here with you, with you, uh, the guest. And it's not just, you know, there are three roles in podcasting, of course. There's a host, the guest, and the listener. And the listener sometimes think, I wish I could be like the host, or I wish I could be like the guest. It turns out that there's such a thin line there that you are, in fact, like the host and like the guest. And you have to be able to be like the host or guest, especially if you admire them, in order to admire them. You have to be a part of you that actually is is already activated. Maybe you already are an author. Maybe you already are a creator. Maybe you already are an expert or a leader, um, an authority in the things that you love. And uh, this was the kind of thing that I was able to shine a light on and welcome to humanity. I really, really love that show. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, I'd really um, 
now like to delve into how, you know, our search, basically our quest for connection that you mentioned about, um, how, how that affects intimacy and how that affects relationships. And, you know, when that's kind of out of sync, then we start to notice problems in our relationships. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things about connection that they, when you bring it up, I think uh, bears uh, paying attention to right away is that we so often have become inauthentic to ourselves. So many of us are muted and muffled and stifled and silenced. And, you know, so many of us are um, really feeling um, like we can't speak our true voice and that we're no longer saying that which really matters to us, or either we're not saying it, or even in some more severe cases, um, we are actually saying things that even we don't believe. Mm. Isn't that just an absurd concept? I, what the hell is that? That's just, <laughs> exactly. that's just like a while. That's not even lying. That's like beyond lying. Right, right. That, like lying, at least you know you're lying. You're like altering the truth for a purpose. This is actually saying stuff as if we believe it. And in fact, we don't believe it even as we say it. Right. We have been right. driven to that level of absurd, preposterous, ludicrous activity. <laughs> and we do that. We actually pretend to be someone that we're not. And most people, when asked about that, I've had many conversations with people about this phenomenon will say that they're afraid. They're afraid of disruption. They're afraid of getting thrown off the group. They're afraid of being ostracized. They're afraid of causing problems, of disagreement, etc. But I need to tell people who are doing that, which is pretty much all of us at some level, that it is, in fact, so ineffective. It is ludicrous, preposterous, and absurd, and completely ineffective. In other words, trying to be someone you're not in order to protect the person you are just doesn't work. Yeah. You're still going to be hated. You're still going to be dismissed. You're still going to be. You're still going to be ostracized. You're still this person you're pretending to be is still going to face that music. So it doesn't even work. Now, how does that play a role in your question? The truth is, if you're going to be intimate with any other person in the world, you're going to have a much better time doing that from your authentic self. Right. The resonance that happens, the harmonic resonance that happens inside of intimacy can only happen with your pure self. What's This fake person or this alteration, this um, imposter that you pretend to create in order to protect yourself isn't able to have an intimate relationship for real at all because you're not you. And yeah. so in order to be intimate, you have to at least dig in far enough to the um, you know, soft underbelly of being yourself and then be able to reach out to another person and um, create some form of intimacy, whether that's physical intimacy, psychological intimacy, emotional intimacy. There's so many levels of intimacy right. that are available. And in order to do that, one has to really drop all the things that are obscuring our capacity to be intimate with each other. And that's all the um, ingenuine inauthenticities that we often use as a way of so-called protecting ourselves. Yeah. Well, that is definitely profound. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, oftentimes fear really plays into how we are with others and how we are with ourselves and also even in our jobs, right? We're so afraid about what might happen. And most of those things don't even happen, but it's just our imagination and how what we think may happen. And so that we 
end up pretending to be perhaps somebody that we're not. And definitely that impacts your relationship. And you can't even really focus on a relationship if you're too busy trying to be somebody that you're not. Um, <laughs> You know, so I'm also interested in, I know that you don't um, diagnose psychiatric illness anymore and that you focus more on being a coach. Um, what are some modalities that you give clients, let's say, on dealing with perhaps their depression if they're not sure. uh, wanting to go on medication? Yeah. I, I, first of all, I don't suggest medication for anybody who's not yet on medication. Okay. I want to make that yeah. very clear. If you haven't tried medicine, you shouldn't try it. I, if you have tried medicine and it's worked, that's fine. And if your sister tried it and she convinced you that it's a good idea, then feel free to try it. But I don't prescribe medicine as a first-line treatment for anything. There's no psychiatric medicine that I'm behind enough to think that it's a good idea to deal with depression or deal with anxiety or deal with, um, you know, being scattered or having, you know, wide open thoughts or social anxiety or post-traumatic stress disorder, any of these particular psychiatric conditions. I don't think that the medicines are generally very effective. So let's make mm -hmm. that really clear. Yeah. As far as, you know, not diagnosing, I took on the moniker of being the undoctor in the last few years. And as the undoctor, I undiagnose people, I unmedicate people, and then I undoctrinate people. The idea being that maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Maybe just like a log burning in a, you know, we don't blame a log for burning in a fire. If a log goes in a fire and starts to burn, it's actually what it should do. Right. And it's the same kind of thing. We walk through this world and maybe we don't have to blame ourselves for there being something wrong with us. Maybe there's, in fact, nothing wrong with us at all. So, um, you know, the possibility exists here that um, one of the ways to deal with a with a period of time where one might feel sad or depressed or nervous or anxious is... Um, by using creativity or the performing arts. So one of my books is called The Creative Eight, uh, Healing Through Creativity and Self-Expression. And we talk about art, music, dancing, singing, drama, cooking, writing, gardening, many of the creative um, perfor or performing arts that are out there that are forms of self-expression and can go a long way to alleviating these discomfort or this sense of imbalance that we sometimes have in this world that is already pretty imbalanced. So feeling imbalanced, out of balance in a world that's out of balance is actually normal. Yeah. But if you wanna feel um, balanced, one way to do that is to, you know, is to roll into the performing arts, art, music, dancing, singing, drama, cooking, writing, gardening, photography, cleaning, or other areas as well. And, um, the ultimate trump card is being of service, you know, really just being there for anybody, doing anything, doing, helping anybody do anything. So it's amazing. That, yeah, yeah. That, those are good medicines and those are way, there's no side effects to any of those. Yeah. You know, I'm curious to find out how um, being creative, you know, is it, is it that it plays with our neurons in our brain? Is it that it gives us the dopamine that we need to help alleviate perhaps the feeling that we may have with like say serotonin or something like that? Does it affect us at a neurologic level? That's why, and definitely I know I've heard of that before as well, where being of service to others instills a sense of gratefulness mm -hmm. and also that you feel useful, right? Sometimes right. I guess when we are depressed, we feel as if we're not 
useful or that we we don't provide any value to others and i guess perhaps being of service to others gives us the value that we're seeking i'm not sure what do you think yeah i i think the physiological component can um you know is a little bit difficult to um identify because we're pretty sure we know what we're talking about when we say stuff like dopamine or oxytocin you know, we think that we understand what those hormones really represent. And it's just a almost a passing phase right now that these first in particular, those those two particular hormones are, uh, you know, front and center inside of the intimacy world. The yeah. difference between dopamine bump and oxytocin warmth and all that, you know, um, the uh, the idea here is I think we are social animals and our uh, our interest is in in helping other people and being helped by other people and we are nothing if we don't actually communicate and connect with another human right. um the truth is being isolated and not connecting is a it's a fairly damaging um it's a fairly damaging phenomenon when we find ourselves there and you know we reach out to do that even if it's through books or through television or through movies whatever we do a telephone call or getting on a Zoom call or going to visit somebody, we are so completely addicted and interested in being connected with people. And in the world of, you know, creativity and or and or helping um, anyone do anything, I think it just sparks our inner sense of humanity, probably beyond any of the explanations that our allopathic physiological um, constructs in our own growth and development as doctors um, uh, can adequately explain. Hmm. Well, I think that's fantastic. I think that I'm going to have to go out and buy your book and find out how to, you know, help people with depression and different type of mental illnesses through creativity. I think that's a very novel approach and I've never heard that before. I have heard of people talking about mindfulness, right, and helping with depression and also in creating intimacy and uh, emotional intimacy and also physical intimacy and promoting desire uh, by being more mindful. But I've never um, really thought about the creative aspect and how that can help with mental illness. I think that's very, you know, I think that's fantastic and really a novel approach. Sure. Um, I know that um, you were thinking at one point of perhaps a documentary. I don't know if you want to mention sure. a little bit about that. Yeah, so let's uh, streamline what you talked about with the book. First of all, the uh, the book is available online in both audio and in um, uh, page turning um, form. So, um, and you can find it at welcometohumanity.net forward slash creative, or welcometohumanity.net forward slash creative eight. And one of those is the audio book. I think it's creative eight is the audio book, whereas creative is the actual book. And so you don't have to go out and actually buy it. So that's a gift for your listeners and for you. Feel free to oh. download it. It's a pretty fun book. Um, you can also get it on Amazon, but I think it's just as well to hear me read it and or or to um, download the, um, the page-turning version. Um, with respect to the documentary, I had an idea back in, I think it was launched in like 2018 or 19, um, that you know, psychiatric illness is simply a conversation. It's not something that actually sustains itself from culture to culture. So what you have when you have what you have, if you live in Los Angeles, is entirely different than what it would look like if you were in Reykjavik or if you were in Tanzania, if you were in, um, you know, Auckland or if you were in Singapore. Like, 
It's not called schizophrenia in those other cultures. It's not called bipolar disorder. It might even be a gift. It might even be seen as as something that is um, that is not only pat- not pathological, but actually a, a, a true and honest blessed gift. And so some, you know, I was able to see that like a broken arm is a broken arm in Tanzania. A broken arm is a broken arm in Tibet. It's the same broken arm. You got a broken arm in Reykjavik, you're, you got a broken arm. It's the same broken arm you had in Little Rock. It's, it's the same broken arm. And that's a pathology that can be identified. There's nobody who would say your arm is not broken in Reykjavik. But in medicine or in psychiatry, I should say, the psychiatric conditions, they just are culturally defined. And they're frankly often defined by the diagnoser or the diagnosing community. So the diagnosing community actually designs what they think is normal and then describes abnormal as being outside the range of what they think is normal. So the idea be was that um, I had written an award-winning article called Global Madness, What We Must Do to Unite. And that won a best article at the, global, at the Conference for Global Transformation in 2019. And the, um, that can also be found on my website, by the way. And um, it's a fun article. And the idea of with, the, with the documentary was that I could be like, maybe be like Anthony Bourdain or something and go around the world and actually see how mental illness was defined and being treated in various corners of the planet. Now, I learned a lot as I was researching this. In fact, like there's a place in Rwanda where I think there's like six million people and only five psychiatrists or something to deal with them all. And um, they don't treat mental illness anything like what we do. They have um, picnic benches, actually, little picnic benches, Mm -hmm. little park benches where they park grandmothers. Wow. Like that's that's who's there is grandmothers. And what you do when you're not feeling well is you walk up to the park and you go share your conversation with a warm, embracing, loving grandmother. And sure enough, the results are way better than any formal antidepressant could ever ask. All people really want to be heard is is heard. All people really want from the world is to be heard from who they are and to be actually known and respected for who they are. That's all people really want ultimately. And that's that human connection thing. And so the idea is that these grandmothers are generally, they're volunteers, they love doing what they're doing, and they just sit on the bench and they're there for that exact purpose. You bring their problems to them or you bring whatever your issues are in the form of feeling out of sorts and um, you get cured with one conversation. And in uh, in um, Southwest, I think it's Southwest Australia or wherever Brisbane is, I know mm-hmm. that there's someone doing um, uh, what he calls a surf therapy. So you go over there and you, whatever your issues are, he gives you 10 days of surf, surf therapy, teaching you how to surf the real waves. <laughs> and uh, for sure, all of your psychiatric illnesses fade in that situation. Yeah. That is really amazing. What, what a great idea, right? And I know that you know, elderly individuals also appreciate that human connection. So it must be like a win-win for that um, community in Rwanda where you have those elderly grandmothers sitting there, right? And if somebody comes to them and starts talking to them, I think that I read once that the key to happiness was something to do, something to look forward to, and someone to love. I love that. Yeah. And so you needed those three things. And that was really it. Um, It wasn't about buying or having things or 
or serotonin or serotonin for that matter. It's just not. Yeah. It's just not. Now you could say maybe serotonin level, you know, I mean, serotonin has been disproved a lot recently as being anything to do with depression, but I've known that Mm. the whole time, but not everybody knows that. This whole idea that serotonin is even anything worth treating in order to deal with depression is completely absurd. And it's been disproved, you know, scientifically by recent uh, neuro, um, neuroscientists and uh, multiple actually published beautiful articles in mainstream journals. Um, but the whole point is these medicines are not meant to, they're not even designed in any way to alleviate the actual condition. At their very best, they're designed to contain the condition. And they never ever, none of the medicines ever talk about truly curing your psychiatric illness because they don't, right. they, they just don't. If you really want healing, the way you get healing is through human connection. Right. Right. I love that. Yeah. I think that maybe we need to have more communities, right? Where people are actually out and about and talking to each other and not so much isolated and alone and on their phones and just staring and as we know that depression has actually skyrocketed as people have become more alone and especially the pandemic made it worse, right? There was such a shortage of psychiatrists and psychologists during the pandemic because people were longing for that human connection, that touch, and um, just really feeling at a loss, I think, during the pandemic that really showed us that we truly need that connection to really thrive. So I think that what, and it seems like you've been saying that the whole time. So that's really impressive that you recognize that. Whereas we just, you know, are rediscovering it truly, you know? Well, you could even make a case, you know, for some people that um, the, the loss of connection, the loss of human connection is an actual epidemic and pandemic in its own right that preceded and maybe in some ways of looking at it actually contributed directly to the whole COVID um, pandemic issue. Like like the whole idea of the disconnection of humans, um, it really is what got exploited in the COVID, in, the co- in how we managed COVID as an international um, community of humans. This whole right. idea of masking ourselves and you know being afraid of each other and putting ourselves six feet away from each other, a, a rather random distance, I might add, and uh, as a way of protecting ourselves, uh, just really just uh, put a big, um, you know, put put a big damper, you know, put a big yeah. damper inside of uh, uh, of our human connection capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, this is fantastic. Any um, pearls that you would like to leave our listeners with regarding intimacy and connection and forming that connection when you think that you may have lost that connection with your significant other? Well, I think the big thing is, is that, and and this is, I do address this in both the True Voice course and in the Find Your True Voice book, is what I said earlier, which is um, you can't really connect to somebody if you're pretending to be someone you're not. Right. It's not really possible. Um, The idea, of course, is that you, you have to be authentic to yourself. And the good news is there may be nothing wrong with you, even if you're feeling lousy. There may be nothing wrong with you. And I, here's another piece of good news. That person standing next to you that you that you uh, hold so dear, they want to hear you. They want to yeah. hear about your trials and tribulations. They want to hear about your concerns and complaints. They want to hear about your distraughtness and your and your depression or what they do. They just we all love hearing about each other's pain or 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 each other's um, 
you know, comforts or discoveries as long as it's coming from a genuine space. So authenticity trumps, authenticity just trumps agreement all day long. Like we think that if we agree with someone, we're avoiding conflict. The truth is, if we simply agree with someone, we're actually creating conflict. Everyone knows when you're just kind of sandbagging, when you're hiding behind something rather than speaking your true self. People want you to speak your true self. People want to be, you can do it respectfully. It doesn't mean you have to go to a mountaintop and say how much you hate your mother-in-law. That's not required here. (laughs) What is required is that when you speak or when you express yourself, you use listening as a major tool. And the idea is to move the needle forward in whatever conversation you're involved in. That might be a conversation in the bedroom. It might be a conversation on a, on a, at a restaurant. It might be a conversation just to determine where, you know, where you want to take your family. It can be any kind of conversation. But in order to create any kind of intimacy, you're going to need at the very heart of this some real access to a greater sense of your own authenticity and your own genuineness in order to provide in order to, to become someone who can resonate with another person at a harmonic resonating level. Absolutely. And, you know, for most women, and I think most people in, in general, but definitely women, you know, we need that emotional connection, that emotional intimacy to have that eventual physical intimacy. And I think that that only comes when you feel like you can trust your partner, right? When you have, and you can be vulnerable with your partner. And of course that only comes when your partner is authentic with themselves and you can be authentic with yourselves and be honest and truthful. And that will lead to that emotional intimacy and that connection that we also desire. So I think that this is very relevant to helping to establish intimacy in a relationship. So exactly. Yeah. I couldn't have said that better. Well said, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, thank you so much. So how can somebody listening to this podcast and thinking, wow, this man is amazing and has these fantastic ideas on how to create emotional intimacy and also how to create that authenticity within yourself. How can people reach out to you? Where can they find you? Sure. Now I've been given several different, several different coaching ideas about how to answer this particular question. I can tell you that I'm all over uh, social media, which I am. You know, you can find me there and there, and you can find me at my email and find me on my website. Most recently, I've been given, a, I had a little bit of a branding update. And depending on when you're listening or watching this show, you can hit me up at drfred360.com. And there mm-hmm. is a um, uh, virtual business card that really goes a long ways. And I'm building that up this week. So if you're listening right on very time, like if you're streaming this right now, then it won't be, it won't be so beautiful at Dr. Fred. It's pretty good, but it's not great. It'll be great by next week. So another place to find me, if you really want to know, is you can go to Linktree, which is linktr, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Fred Moss. And you can find me there. If you really want to get a hold of me and you have some ideas about you're a healer and you want some help or you're somebody who wants to find their true voice. Um, The show notes will likely include access to my uh, two courses and my two books. And if you really just want to touch base with me, my email is fine, which is at drfred at welcometohumanity.net. That's drfred, drfred at welcometohumanity.net. Awesome. Amazing. Well, that was fantastic. And I really appreciate your time that you gave to us and all of the wisdom and the pearls that you've told our listeners about. I think that everything you've said, you know, makes so much sense. And 
it's so intuitive, but it's it doesn't come that easy. And I think that it's only right. intuitive when you, after you hear it, right? Like right. a lot of times we know things and we know that just talking to people builds that connection, but it almost takes somebody like you to say that, to, you know, come to the forefront and then be like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's really what I need. And I think something else that you said, which I thought was really important is that if you're not on medication, don't start. You know, that there's other ways to deal with mental illness. And I think that that is also very profound because, like you said, the first thing that you get from any psychiatrist is medication. And, um, you know, it's great that there are healers out there that propose something else and a different way of healing, which is without medication. So I think yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And without a diagnosis, too. I mean, if you feel like you have a diagnosis, you're going to think you have to do something wrong, something to fix it. The truth is, if you don't have a diagnosis and you can get, there's nothing wrong with you. And the same idea that there's nothing wrong with a log burning in the fire, that there's nothing, you're actually just responding adequately, just like you do to the external or internal environment that you live in. And there's nothing inherently wrong with you. If you can walk around realizing that there's nothing inherently wrong with you for real, like for real, even if you feel really lousy. And frankly, here's another condition that is kind of a, kind of a, um, uh, it's kind of like a, I don't know, an oxymoronic uh, condition here, which is if you're almost everybody is sure that there's something wrong with them. <laughs> so it becomes entirely normal to think there's something wrong with you. So if you think there's something wrong with you, that's actually an indication that there's nothing wrong with you because you're like all of us, because all of us think there's something wrong with us. <laughs> I love that. No, that's fantastic. And I think, you know, what else I've realized is that you are normalizing feeling, having feelings, right? Because exactly. if we didn't have feelings, like what you said, we'd be dead. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's okay to have feelings and to feel those feelings and feel those emotions, because that just tells us that we're alive yeah. and human. And, uh, and, yeah, it's and, not like I'm wishing negative vibrations and experiences on anybody. I'm not. They're very uncomfortable. You can be, it doesn't take very long to design a life mindset that is completely miserable. I can do it in a second. I could be miserable. I could be ridiculously miserable in five seconds, anytime you want me to be. And that's not very hard to do. But that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you're sick. It actually means you're one of us. We all yeah. can do that. There's a world out there that is really making that clear. And it isn't even new. That's, you know, I'm not saying anything that the old philosophers and old religious leaders weren't saying. Like, it's all in the same thing. You mentioned that it's intuitively obvious, and until we, but until we hear it, we don't actually implement it. Most of what I'm saying, I knew when I was in the playpen. That's true. When I was three years old, most of what I'm saying is coming from there. It's not coming from the American Journal of XYZ. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Dr. Moss. Thank you so much again for coming on. And well, we are done here. It's been real and really intimate. And remember, this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you feel like you have some type of mental illness or some type of medical condition, please speak with your healthcare provider and get the help that you need. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast 
And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So be sure that you share it with all your friends. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.